This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is a little after 6 p.m. early signing day night. It is time to talk with Tim Watts, the BamaOnline.com publisher, Senior recruiting analyst for the, us there at BOL. I guess you could say it's another edition of T Watts and TR as we sort of take this podcast and try to sort of bring together the events that led up to Alabama's at the time that we're doing this podcast anytime. Anyway, second ranked recruiting class according to the 24 7 sports composite team rankings uh tim i gotta ask you because you know we've talked back and forth a lot on these type of days over the last 16 or 17 years in terms of how it sort of played out and in keeping up with you and hank and everything you kept bamaonline.com subscribers abreast of exactly how this was going to go down in your opinion on wednesday and i gotta say it seems like, in comparison to some other years, it went according to plan about as much or as closely as many years that I can recall, Tim. Yeah, I think the last two years, I think we've seen a change in the Alabama staff. You know, that 2018 class sort of got away from them, especially by Alabama standards, where didn't quite finish the way they wanted to. Had some guys like Quay Walker, Bobby Brown flip in the late period and You know, they were adjusting to the new early period and how everything was going to be done. But we've seen an adjustment now and it's a it's a it's a little bit slower pace. They want to see these kids on campus. They want to see them to give them the get those offers. Um, They want to see them live and earn the offers. And we've just seen better about, you know, it's hard to say a better evaluation. I think we've seen a more thorough evaluation, a slower process. But at the same time, they're getting guys they are signing them. A lot of this class has been locked up for weeks, and I know a lot of, you know, to, I guess to some fans that's frustrating because they want to open eight presents today. They want to they, they want to see eight guys, you know, but Alabama fans have spent all of December opening their Christmas presents, so there wasn't as many under the trees, other schools, you know, but I can't think of many schools that wouldn't have swapped places with Alabama as of this morning, um, and I can't think of many who wouldn't swap places with them right now after you know the dust has settled yeah and you and hank and and our crew there at bamaonline.com I, I think the the theme and the in the time coming up to wednesday was look the key because so much of the work the heavy lifting is done it's going to be about retention it's going to be about keeping tim smith in this class the defensive tackle from sebastian river florida that happened on wednesday he signs with the crimson tide and then as we got right up to signing day eve there was a lot of buzz about jace mcclellan in fact going ahead and making that flip from Oklahoma to Alabama official that played out here in the last hour or so before we recorded this pod. So, um, you know, Nick Saban's on record, Tim, he doesn't like surprises. So with that in mind, I got to thank Nick Saban and based on his comments following Wednesday's practice at Alabama, which he touched on 
uh, this recruiting class and some of the comments he had specifically, especially about Bryce Young, his quarterback in this class, glowing commentary. Uh, I got to think Nick Saban's absolutely thrilled with how this all came together on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any other way to look at it. There's always going to be a couple guys when you get 20 of the 25 guys you want. You're really going to have to fight for those last five guys, especially if you recruit like Alabama. I mean, they're not out here offering three stars like we've seen other schools trying to finish a class. Alabama's fighting for the best of the best. Guys like Darnell Washington, who's a freak athlete, the 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 new uh, Las Vegas tight end, and they're fighting for guys like that. Arian Smith, who's a speedster from Florida that went to Georgia. So they're battling the big dogs for like Jace McClellan. You know, he's a top 50 type running back nationally who they landed. Third running back in the class, by the way. So I think they were happy with where they were. And then today, I don't think they wanted to do a lot. I think they've laid the groundwork. They had a lot of kids commit early and stay firm. Now, we had some drama. We had Tim Smith, as you said. He's three hours from Gainesville. He took three or four unofficial visits to Florida I never felt that the Alabama staff was extremely worried about Tim. I mean, I can sort of see the perception three hours from home. He took an official visit there. He took, you know, some unofficial visits there. But there was a certain confidence about him. And I go back to his coach telling us Alabama was his dream school a couple of years ago when he was a sophomore. Um, and that sort of just went back to that. We also had Des Moines Kennedy. You know, that guy is probably the Mobile linebacker is probably one of the key. He's probably the Bryce Young of the defensive group. Um, certainly there's some other guys that you can mention in that same category. But Des Moines, you know, committed Alabama and has been firm. And he loves C.J. Mosley in Alabama. Well, he popped up and took a visit uh, to LSU, and there's just been a ton of rumors. But, again, I never felt that Alabama was extremely worried Obviously, when you're battling a Florida for an in-state kid or you're battling LSU for any kid, you have to be wary. You have to be smart. Um, but I never felt any panic. I, they felt like the whole time, you know, the, the vibe I got was they felt good and that they would keep it. And they held on to both of them today, which was huge. Talk about the in-state hall once again, because it was a big part of the 2019 cycle uh, and looks to be the case once again. Uh, with, by my count, at least, based on the database sorting of this, uh, a class leading nine in-state kids. And, you know, we talk so much about the national approach that Alabama has been afforded the opportunity to sort of take advantage of over the last decade or so. But, man, these last couple of classes especially, not that there hasn't been a, a – a presence in state in in these classes in the past, but just seems like last year and this year, Tim, the state's been really good to to Nick Saban and his staff. It is, and I think it comes down simply to Nick Saban's always said he's going to get the best player available. Obviously, if Alabama produces 25 great players that fits all of his needs, I think he would pursue those and try to sign those. Alabama's not a state where you're going to get. 25 guys good enough to play at Alabama. So they're going to have to dip into other states. You know, it's not as big as Georgia, California, Florida, um, Texas, those states that produce more. But it high end, the top end guys are really good. And he did exactly what he said. He reaches out to Boyd Kennedy from Mobile and, you know, uh, Quindarius Robinson, Jackson Bratton. That's three linebackers in a class they had to have linebackers. And they got three good ones. I mean, two of those guys are being considered for five-star um uh, Jackson Bratton's a kid that you, most people just forget about just because he's playing with su – he's surrounded. He's committed amongst such great prospects. Roydell Williams, the Hueytown running backs. So, I mean, they went 
and got the guys they felt that were good enough in the state. And those guys are all those guys are fantastic prospects. And you get down to guys like uh, Javion Cohen, who flipped from Auburn a couple you know, a couple of days ago, uh, early last week. And you look at a guy like Malachi Moore, Hewitt Trust, Filler, Christian Story. Those are two really good athletes at the safety position, which Alabama was targeting. So I think it was it's been fortunate uh, that they had such in-state talent. And he's always just like the 08 group. It's not. I don't think Alabama wants to fly over Julio Jones to get Julio Jones in California. So if they get that guy in state, if they get the guys they want, I think they'll they, they'll go after him. But they're always going to look to sign the best players available. It is T. Watts and T. R. on signing day night, following a lot of the work that will be done by this Alabama staff for the 2020 recruiting cycle. Um, Tim, when, when when we get into the staff and the work done by these assistants, obviously we know Nick Saban uh, is the leader of the whole thing from top to bottom, start to finish. Uh, but is there a, an assistant coach or two, a staff member or two, that you think should be uh, particularly highlighted uh, sort of here in retrospect? Understanding there's still some work to be done. Nick Saban made that very clear on Wednesday too. Uh, they're going to go into the new year looking to fill some slots that are still available uh, in this class. But, but some guys that have done some really nice work on the recruiting trail to this point, Tim. You know, I've always thought that Alabama did a great job recruiting together. Um, and oftentimes when those, and we've had several Alabama coaches who were the recruiter of the year um, over the years at, at when we were at rivals. And of course we're 24 seven sports, but um, half those guys don't even want it. They want to say it's a team effort. I fully believe it's a team effort, but I know how hard a, a coach works to develop those relationships. To me, Carl Scott's been fantastic this year. You know, when he arrived, you know, he was, a, you know, Billy Napier picked him for the defensive coordinator position at uh, uh, University of Louisiana. And he came here and he had a reputation, sort of that, that reputation of a good recruiter. I think we've seen it this year. Went in and got flipped to um, Oklahoma commitments. And uh, Drew Sanders and Jace, Jace McClellan alone. I mean, those are going to be yeah. two of the best players of the of uh, in this class. I mean, Jace flipped tonight. Drew committed early, um, beat out Oklahoma for him. And you know, you know, those are Texas kids. They're you know they're probably more used to that Oklahoma type of football than Alabama. So he definitely did a great job there. And then Birmingham really, really was good this year. Quinn, you know, Quinn Davis Robinson, Malachi Moore. We've talked about that. Roy Dell Williams. He had a lot of prospects, and then you throw in the the secondary guys he had to help with. I think Carl Carl Scott just did a you know fantastic job. Um, he doesn't have a lot of guys, but I don't see how you can leave Steve Sarkeesian out of the discussion. Yeah. He had a huge hand in landing Bryce Young, and I think that that alone. And Jeff Banks, I think Hanks ha- helps out there, and he's assisted uh, also by Tino Sinceri. I think he helps. Uh, with some of the coaches, but Steve Sarkeesian, as I understand it, was a big part of why Bryce chose Alabama, um, his style of play, and uh, just sold him on Alabama being a good fit for him. You know, I found it interesting that Bryce asked the obvious question with a guy like Sark is, what about what, if you leave? And Sark said, the system stays the same. You know, I talked to someone very close to Bryce. He said, doesn't matter if I'm the coach here or not, the system's going to stay the same. So obviously he did a great job laid out the groundwork and um you know Charles I don't want to leave anybody out but Charles Huff was a big part of landing three running backs um we have we haven't really seen that very often you know Alabama did sign four one year 
Um, and they got a nice little, you know, we've spoken, we spoke about, we spoke about Jace and Roydale Williams. And also they got Kyle Edwards, who was a, who's a big banger, a between the tackles, fall forward guy from Louisiana. So really, I think they all had their moments. Sal Sinceri with, with, uh, Tim Smith, obviously that was huge. Um, but I mean, I just think overall worked great as a group. Carl did a great job. Um, you know, Pete, I think, is one to watch in this late period. You know, you get that defensive coordinator position, and they're all good recruiters. Kirby was a good recruiter. Pruitt was a good recruiter. Pete's a good recruiter. But, man, you know as well as anybody, Travis, it's hard to play in those games and recruit. So yeah. I'm looking forward to Pete sort of having this free time between now and February. He's going to have a huge target in a guy like McKinley Jackson, the uh, Mississippi big defensive tackle from uh, – uh, Mississippi, you know, with all these guys signing, he's going to be moved very high in the ranks for, you know, people wanting to, to to land a defensive tackle. So overall, just a great team effort by everybody. You know, in retrospect, you can get caught up playing that what might have been game. And you think about one of the biggest news stories of this Wednesday was Rakim Jarrett, the five-star wide receiver, flipping from LSU, staying home and signing with Mike Loxley in the Maryland Maryland Terrapins, and you think, wow, you know, if Lox is still in Tuscaloosa, you got to think Jarrett ends up in Tuscaloosa because you know Mike is such a presence up there in the DMV as a recruiter and and what the work he has done up there with his ties to that area. Same thing though, same time, you got to think, well, what if Steve Sarkeesian isn't at Alabama? because Locks is still here. Do you get Bryce Young without Steve Sarkeesian, Tim? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think Bryce Young was obviously such a business-like personality. Um, I think that he probably would have looked at Alabama. I think he was looking at other schools, but I don't think it would have been. I think it's hard to guess. I would say that Sarkeesian certainly played a major role. I think they probably had a better chance of focusing on Carson Beck. I know Sarkeesian had, I mean, uh, Loxley had a hand in that when he was here and the kid had camped and offered and committed. So, you know, it's, it's great with the what if game. I find it hard to believe <laughs> that uh, I think Sark played such a big role. I find it hard to believe he that came here. But I will say I think that Bryce Young was pretty set on not going to USC at some point um, just because the situation wasn't ideal. And it's not, you know, everybody thinks it's as simple as, you know, Clay Helton might be fired or they're not a good team. But, you know, it's also more they've got good quarterbacks at USC. We saw two of them go down. I look up the third team quarterback was having good games. So they got competition there. Guys that are who now who are now seasoned um, veterans at USC. And with Alabama, I mean, you got Mac who's going to have, you know, three starts probably under his belt. He's obviously been in the system a while and he's competing with him and then with Talia. But I mean, it's a little bit op- more open uh, for him. So but, you know, that's you know, one thing you bring up that surprise. I mean, Rakeem Jarrett said he wasn't signed until February. Yeah. Um, went through the whole nine yards. Here's the thing I tell people. Everybody says, we want a surprise. We want a surprise on uh, signing day. Do you really want a surprise? Cause there not you all go. Su- There's your surprise. Not, not all surprises are good. LSU <laughs> wanted surprises, and they got surprised twice today, and they're pretty upset about those surprises right now. Alabama, no surprises, no major misses, no major drama. Seems boring, but, you know, I think it was a, it was a good day. I think it was a good day for Alabama fans. Yeah, the rumors, man. It, it doesn't matter the era, whether we're talking about when you and I would be burning it up together 15, 16 years ago and the 
in the stone ages uh, yeah. of what now it, it seemed like it was in recruiting coverage to the electronic era and the social media era that we're in now rumors just flying rampant did did you ever put a lot of fire into the smoke that was coming out around Bryce Young here in the last couple of days with USC or was that just kind of more of a, a hope that we were hearing coming from the the SEC the SC camp more than anything else you know I know my guys on the west coast and I trust them and I like them and they have good sources I really think I never, again, I never felt that there was any concern about Bryce Young not signing with Alabama. Now, I'm sure there'll be revisionist history, like A.J. McCarron was going to Oklahoma and Brody Kroll was going to FSU. All those stories are great eight years after they graduate. So, um, But I don't, I don't really feel like there was a lot of concern from Alabama's end. I think the dad and the parents were probably doing their due diligence. I think they're respectful. Those are really nice people, and they were probably – talking to people, you know, and I keep hearing this saying, not just with Bryce, but a lot of people say, well, they haven't shut the door. Well, they haven't shut the door. Well, they haven't shut the door. They're taking the call. You know, some people are nice. Some, Some people you can like. I mean, there's a ton of kids today who committed to a school where they loved a recruiter at another school. They had a good relationship and they liked that guy. They just felt the other school was better. So I don't think the fact that they don't hang up in your face and tell you, you know, get the hell out of here, quit calling me. I don't think that necessarily means the door's not shut. I just think, you know, a little of that was going on. A lot of West Coast teams were talking about it. I think some uh some other Pac twelve coaches were talking about it. But you know, I never got that feeling at all that he was that he might not go. And um you know, and I'm sure there's some concern. You get 24 hours from moving across the country and, you you know, you're having a debate. I mean, you know how it is as a parent. To the Bryce Young, it don't matter. To the yeah. kids, it, to my kid, it wouldn't matter. He, if, if somebody sent him a taxi to the airport, gave him a ticket, flew him to Southern Cal, picked him up and took him to USC's campus, he wouldn't care. Well, for me, nobody's doing that. <laughs> I got to get a flight. I got to get to the airport. I got to park. I got to get the luggage. I got to do all that. So I get the parents were probably doing some due diligence and, and going through the motions. But, no, I never felt that Bryce wasn't going to end up at Alabama. Kind of like the homecoming queen back in the mid-'80s when I was in high school. She'd take my call, Tim, but that didn't mean we were going to the prom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, if, and if the quarterback called on that – remember call waiting? Remember that, Tim? Yeah. yeah. You know? uh she she would she would take his call you know i would go on the i would go on the call waiting there in in that sort of scenario and you're right there's just some people that are respectful and being local i'm sure like the youngs you want to certainly be respectful to the hometown team and uh a team that's put a lot of of effort and uh uh resources into the recruitment and they've known them for you know you know telling how many years so um you know, it makes sense to me. But the one thing that I really couldn't get past is like the situation from him to decommitting to go to Alabama at USC was the exact same. Mm-hmm. Nothing changed. It was the same coaching staff. It was the same head coach. He decommitted from that situation. There's been no transfers from quarterbacks. They didn't get a new coach. They didn't hire Urban Meyer and all that discussion. Now, if a different coach is there, maybe we're having a different discussion. Maybe they're looking at it a yeah. little different. But why would you decommit from a situation? Only to go back to that situation 24 hours after you know you know leaving another school pretty much hung out to drive. And without Bryce Young, I believe this USC class in the rankings era anyway might check in as the lowest ranked SC class uh, of that time period. Amazing. And you're right. 
um, a program just without a lot of juice. And you're also right about the quarterback situation. I think Keaton Slovis, the true freshman that stepped in there this year, Alabama's going to see that guy in the season opener at Jerry World uh, to open the 2020 season, and he's going to be a challenge. So some interesting angles to consider at the quarterback position for both SC, but certainly here in Tuscaloosa at Alabama. And I'll ask you this, too. Did you find it interesting, the tweet from Tua Tagovailoa about an hour after it was officially announced that Bryce Young was in the fold at Alabama about decisions, decisions? What did what did you make of that, Tim? You know, I think I'm a coward when it comes to this because (laughs) they asked me on the message board, you know, all the time. What did this tweet mean? And I mean, I have a I have a 17 and 18 year old and they send me text. I have no damn clue what the text said. So if they start throwing in emojis and all that, I'm going to end up thinking they're drunk at the lake and I got to pick them up. So when I see these random tweets and stuff, I don't know what to make. I think two is a respectful guy. I don't think he's attention, attention seeking at all. Maybe he was having a little fun. Maybe he was serious. Uh, He's not what he's not done with the process is what I took from it at a minimum. Tim, he is he has not decided that he's gone. Uh, and we said, with that we've said that all along. We've said that That's for right. the last couple yeah. of weeks when half these guys were, you know, definitely coming back. They're still in the process. Two is in the process, still getting healed, still seeing how he's progressing, talking to NFL teams, um, doing all that stuff. And all of them are that way. I think except for, you know, at this point, Diggs and Lewis, I think everybody is sort of getting the feel for where they stand and you know and you know even if they are going pro there's the whole going pro picking an agent interviewing agents there's just a lot of steps in this it's not as simple as going i'm coming back or i'm leaving so i think he might have been having a little bit fun but i don't think he's a kid who does it for attention because that guy gets enough you know that guy gets enough attention as it is so i think he probably is contemplating you know coming back yeah, I think so, too. Hey, it is T. Watts and T.R. on National Signing Day night, the early signing period. I guess, Tim, we're to the point where we don't even need to use the the uh, description of early. I mean, how many – what percentage of kids that are going to sign in this 2020 cycle at the Power 5 level, at least? 75, 80, 85 percent of it was done today. Is Is that a fair enough sort of figure, you think, roundabout? Um, you know, I know it was in the seventies, the last couple of years, it was a lot more than we expected the first year. Um, so I would guess, I haven't seen the numbers on that, but it seems like a lot. I mean, when you look at the guys that are going to be left and that's what, that's sort of what's going to be so interesting in that late period. Cause you know, like I said, we were discussing, I think on the, the last one, when you've got, you know, if you got a pool, you got a pool of a thousand kids, just hypothetically and 75 or 80% commit. Now you've got a pool of 250 kids. And you've got all these same schools trying to fill these voids. So there are going to be a lot of kids up their stock. You know, even down the end, we saw like Georgia was offering a kid who was committed to Memphis, who actually ended up at Temple. But you saw some of those lower schools sort of getting poached, um, mm-hmm. you know, by some of those guys. And some of those were sleeper guys that, you know, they they you know, they committed to a smaller school and had just a great senior year and they went in on them. So, um uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what the number is. But, yeah, there's going to be a lot less people and a lot more to fight up, fight over. And we're going to talk about more of that on Thursday when we join you again with another edition of T-Watts and TR here on the Built by Bama online podcast. We certainly hope, if you haven't already, you'll go ahead and subscribe to the podcast there on iTunes 
and any other outlet where you uh, take your your podcast content. We would love for you to do that. We would really appreciate it. What we wanted to do here is is we put a wrap on Wednesday is sort of outline the day, how things sort of came together, uh, you know, give you some thoughts from Tim on Bryce Young and the smoke around that situation, maybe Jace McClellan and how that sort of came together. And Tim, as we get out of here, speaking of McClellan, that one seemed to be simmering for quite some time. Was it was it simply a case of Alabama making a, a stronger push at the end, or was was that one kind of predestined, I guess you could say, for, for some time now? You know, again, I think Carl Scott did a great job. That You know, the kid showed interest in Alabama, but he'd been committed to Oklahoma for like two years or longer. So, you you would, you know, it's unclear. You know, Alabama has two running backs committed. You sort of wonder if they could squeeze in a third. You usually don't find a running back. I mean, this speaks testament to this kid willing to come in as a third running back. So, I mean, you got that guy. You got that angle looking at it. So, um, I think just, you know, the slow build up to get here. And I, then I think these final few weeks, the push. And, again, you know, I say this all the time. Everybody's panicking in November because Alabama's focused on coaching. They always are focused on coaching. Not that they're not recruiting. They're just focused on coaching. Well, when Saban starts knocking on doors and going in home with an extra week, you can see the difference it made. Obviously, this is a guy going on 70 years old where his age doesn't matter because he's in every in home just like Lincoln Riley or any young coach you can think of. So um, he's working it and he's getting out there and he's really, really good in home. I think that goes without saying – uh, they had good official visitor weekend. Jace came on official visit. You know, Saban went in home. You know, Carl Scott had been on him. Charles Huff is, you know, helping him out there as well. So um, you could see it coming, and you were sort of just waiting. And we caught wind a couple of weeks ago. We felt comfortable it was done. But we were also waiting for him to decommit from Oklahoma, um, which is usually the process. And then, you know, come Monday, the rumor was out there pretty good. Tuesday, the cat was out of the bag. So uh, we knew what was happening. So much to look forward to, and what we're going to do on Thursday is we'll get more specific with these uh, early period signees. Uh, Some thoughts from Tim and myself on Thursday, we'll do that. We'll look ahead at some prime targets for the later period once you get into the new year and looking ahead to the February date where Alabama's attention shifts to now uh, that so much of this class has been put to bed with the early signing period um, and Tim, I, I, you know, with this early signing period, pretty much a wrap, uh, I, I think movement among coaches, right. Uh, at the assistant level, uh, not just speaking about Alabama, but in the business in general, once you get the early period to bed, that's when I guess you could start seeing some movement among coaches, uh, at the assistant level. Yeah, I mean, we saw a flurry there right after the season ended with some guys getting promotion. Sam Pittman obviously moving to Arkansas was big and left a void for Georgia. Um, but, yeah, I mean, once this season gets here, it's the quiet time. I mean, the whole schedule that me and you cut our teeth on in this business has changed. I mean, the you know, the you know, taking official visits in the summer. Coaches used to wait till after the bowl game to really get going and moving. And, uh, you know, unless it was a head job. But now we're seeing assistance and lateral movements. We're seeing coaches fired in the season. So everything's just changed so much. But, yeah, I think that, that we're going to see. I'm not sure how much Alabama is going to be involved with it because, really, this has been the quietest. It's been the loudest year I can ever remember for Alabama. But it's also been the quietest because there hasn't been 
you know, this time last year, we were following Pete Golding around because he was going everywhere from Oklahoma to Ole Miss. And, you know, we didn't have any of that this year. And then, you know, you haven't heard the other assistants moving and, you know, you didn't have a Pruitt or a Kirby or a Loxley getting a head coaching job. So there's been some continuation. I bet the Bama staff, you know, appreciated it. But, yeah, there's going to be fireworks. There's no way this is going to be boring through February. Yeah, no doubt about it. Between that late period and uh, you got staffs at Ole Miss that are trying to fill out Arkansas just within the league. Missouri um, uh, going to be fascinating to, to watch. No doubt about it. Well, Tim, that'll do it, I think, for this Wednesday night edition of T. Watson TR. We'll do it again tomorrow. Again, a little more uh, signee specific, a little more looking ahead specific to primary targets for the February date. Tim, anything else before we get out of here? No, I just think the biggest thing, and I've said this so long, I think Alabama fans should enjoy this. It's a, this is a win. This is a big day. It's a win. They're, you know, second in the country right now. They're a few points behind Clemson, which everybody said was going to be the greatest class of history of football. And Alabama's right behind them. Certainly you could stack these up. We'll talk about it tomorrow, but if you look at, you go watch all these recruits, and I promise you'll get excited. I've never seen a group like that Alabama signed that was so athletic. Yeah. Safety linebackers, defensive linemen, the offensive linemen, the quarterback. I mean, the wide receivers, everybody wanted a fourth one, but they've got some pretty good ones already. So it's a fun group. It's a really fun group that Alabama signed. Nick Saban seems to like the mindset of this group character wise and kind of its collective approach, uh, which might speak volumes uh, moving yeah. ahead for this program too. I think they definitely, you know, they had a couple guys like a Noma makeup and, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And a Alfon- Alfano who left. And I mean, the guys were talented, but you know, with the portal, you don't get as much time to like help a kid adjust mentally and, and, and to mature. Those guys can get out of there so quick. So, um, I think with this group, that was a huge part because there were guys. There was there were really good guys, excellent prospects. Alabama could have pushed on and went on and and probably landed, especially early. And I just don't think they wanted to deal with the headache. I think they were like, we'll get somebody better because it doesn't do us any good. This guy's going to count as an initial, um, you know, scholarship. We're going to lose that down the road. So eventually, you get too many transfers, it's going to bite you in the rear. Yeah, it's like if you took a non-qualifier almost. I mean, it, it counts against that initial number. You know, it used to be you could take the non-qualifiers and sign and place them, and if they didn't qualify, they didn't count against your initial number for that year. Well, they do now, and that's why you don't see uh, schools uh, maybe as uh, as uh, tempted to, to go that route with some some of the young guys that, that have some academic issues as well. There you go, Tim Watts, as always. Great stuff, my man. We'll do it again on Thursday. All right, thanks. See you on the roundtable. Yep, keep up with us there at the roundtable. For Tim Watts, I'm Travis Ryer. Thanking you once again for joining us here on the Built by Bama Online podcast and, of course, right there at BamaOnline.com as well. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody.